now we turn to our second segment. We're really excited uh, to be joined by our next guest, uh, State Senator Jessica Ramos. Uh, uh, Senator Ramos has been at the forefront of uh, uh, people in Albany uh, demanding that uh, that the state government uh, t- uh, tax the rich uh, more to help address the crisis we're in. And now the state Senate has a super majority and uh, uh, many uh, new things seem possible. Uh, state Senator Ramos, uh, thank you for joining us on the uh, Independent News Hour this evening. Hey, John. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for having me again. You bet. It's always great to have you join us. So uh, just uh, following up on our last segment, uh, first of all, I wanted to get your reaction as both a working parent of two school-aged children and a state senator uh, to the latest round of school closings and how it was handled. You uh, you certainly had uh, some fiery tweets uh, going out. (laughs) Uh, last week, uh, demanding to know, uh, you know, what the bleep was uh, going on. So uh, how do you see it at this point? You know, one of the most frustrating things, I think, for uh, for us parents, of course, is the scrambling and making, uh, you know, last minute child care arrangements and figuring out how we can work from home if that wasn't the case. But really, uh, to me, the biggest frustration is the fact that we were clo- we are closing schools but we're leaving everything else open and at a time where we have contract tracing data that's not being released it's not being shared um we should be able to see where the actual vectors of infection are taking place um we know that despite of course some cases in some schools um, overwhelmingly, schools are not a place where uh, a high rate of, con- of, of, of infection happens. Um, but really, everybody should be paid by the government to stay home for a few weeks. We should have done this months ago, and we would have avoided all of this struggle, all of this uh, heartache. Um, so many of my neighbors have lost loved ones. Um, One of the neighborhoods I represent, Corona, Queens, is at the top of the list of evictions right now. 1.5 million New Yorkers are going to go to sleep hungry tonight. There is just so much chaos um, and and, and so much hardship that New Yorkers are experiencing right now that was very preventable. All we needed to do was do what we have been asking for for a long time, very much pre-pandemic. Tax the rich, make sure that those billionaires are paying their fair share in taxes, strengthen our uh, infrastructure, strengthen our social safety net, and let people stay home with a peace of mind until we have the virus under control. Um, this is this is this has been you know uh, a real. It's been done in other countries. It's been done in other in many countries. Yes, people are being paid actually a few thousand dollars. To stay home um, because it really, it really is proven has proven to be uh, one of the most effective ways to get um, you know the the uh, infections under control. So here we are with a governor who refuses to do the right thing. I hear he's a Democrat. I'm told, um, but uh, we are yet to see him take any action. He's had nine months, a full pregnancy. Um, and he has not been able to give birth to any ideas about how we're going to generate revenue in this state. Um, he 
I think a few months ago mentioned briefly uh, legalizing marijuana, but we all know that that's a drop in the bucket. We're in a $16 billion deficit. There's lots of people in New York who haven't seen a stimulus check or unemployment benefits because the cash economy is a very real thing in New York State. Um, And uh, legalizing marijuana would only generate $250 million a year. We have to do a lot, a lot more, and that's why I'm so happy we have a supermajority as of today, uh, officially, um, and uh, well, that comes with its that comes with its own uh, qualms of its own. But, right. I, um, I want to dive into that more in a moment, but first of all, with that supermajority that you all have won, what is this? What does it mean that uh, you all won it uh, with? Uh, vulnerable Democratic incumbents in the suburbs who survived uh, well-funded attacks by police unions and and other um, wealthy individuals uh, who accused these incumbents of being soft on crime for supporting bail reform in 2019. What does it me- you know, mean going forward that, uh, that these uh, Democratic in- incumbents survived that? Well, I think it's an incredible testament to the work that progressives have done, um, and I'm sure this includes most, if not all of your listeners, uh, knocking on doors, phone banking, not just for, you know, protecting our Democratic majority, but certainly before that in fighting for these progressive issues like bail reform, uh, like the Reproductive Health Act, like the DREAM Act, um, that, 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 you know, some more conservative New Yorkers might not be supportive of. But what we saw is that those who went to the polls um, and those, most importantly, who uh, requested and filled out and submitted their absentee ballots uh, were the voices that were heard. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy um, that we are able to prove that with our progressive politics, with a politics that actually cares about human beings, actually is a winning strategy. Who would have thunk it that caring about human beings was a winning strategy, right? Um, but but right. here we are, and and this is why, you know, now that we're battle-tested, we need to push. And now that we have uh, an exact supermajority, meaning we only have 42 Democratic state senators out of the 63, you know what Cuomo's thinking. He's going to try and pick off, you know, one or more of the usual suspects on, on, on certain issues, we have to stay strong, we have to stay vigilant, we have to stay active and continue to put pressure uh, so that we can keep a united supermajority um, that, that wins for working people. And, and, and what's your sense of the cohesion within your caucus? I mean, you have people from here in the city, Long Island, uh, Hudson Valley, Buffalo, uh, all over the state. Can you hold it together? Look, we hold it together on many, many issues. On others, it's a little more difficult, right? We have uh, Democrats that are uh, a lot more uh, centrist uh, than, say, uh, Julia Salazar and myself. Um, But but that just means that, you know, we can't be – we can't let the work get to us. We, We just have to, you know, roll up our sleeves and get it done. Uh, a lot of the new state senators won because of these so-called controversial uh, issues that we passed, right? Uh, the, the new state senators from Rochester, Sam Brook and James Cooney, um, were elected 
supporting and campaigning and supporting the New York Health Act and bail reform. These are issues that they talked about on their campaign trail. Um, so this is, you know, we, we have to we have to be strategic, um, and but we also have to keep in mind that yeah, that on, uh, on on some issues, you know, a few a few folks might not be able to be on board, and if we can do the work of making it easier for them, well then, well then that's a winning team. Right, and just for our listeners, uh, Sam Brook and uh, uh, Jeremy Cooney. Uh, our newly elected uh, state senators, I, I believe, from up in the Rochester area. Rochester. Mm-hmm. And, of course, yes. Rochester had a, a terrible police killing earlier this year that sparked uh, uh, some very passionate Black Lives Matter protests. And anyway, now they're in the state Senate uh, uh, joining you and other caucus members. Um, also, oh, so excited. Right. Uh, they certainly earned it. And uh, now the, the state assembly, uh, which has 150 members, has had a – Democratic supermajority for a number of years now. Um, what we saw in 2019 when the state Senate uh, started to move to the left, the, for a while the, 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 it looked like the state assembly was kind of getting wobbly on uh, supporting some progressive uh, measures that it had you know, previously uh, endorsed. Uh, it, it walked away from, I believe, a, a Pieta terror tax on second homes of uh, you know wealthy uh, multimillionaires and uh, you know, last uh, last summer, uh, Speaker Carl Heasty uh, poured hundreds of thousands of dollars into trying to prop up some of his incumbents who were facing uh, left wing primary challenges, and all those incumbents were defeated. So, and uh, in, in, in some cases, defeated by members of the Democratic Socialists of America. Uh, what what's your sense uh, of what's going on in the Assembly, and and whether they're you know really willing to to work with you all in the Senate to to move uh, progressive uh, progressive legislation, you know, no matter what uh, Cuomo thinks. Well, I'm very happy to see uh, the state assembly uh, also become a lot more progressive. Lots of new faces. I think it's something like 19 or 20 new assembly members. Um, so the dynamics are definitely di- are going to be different this year. Um, my district, I'm so proud to say, is sending two of our best neighbors. Uh, Zoran Mamdani and Jessica Gonzalez Rojas uh, will both be joining the assembly in January. Um, and we're going to hit the ground running. We're going to be a team. We're going to deliver for working people. We're going to deliver uh, for uh, families uh, during this hard time. Um, and we, we're going to have to be smart, right? We're going to have to build coalitions. We're going to have to coalesce around the issues. And, and, and figure out how it is that we can help. I have always argued that some of these issues should be nonpartisan. I know, you know, bipartisan, but really nonpartisan. To me, there, there shouldn't be a debate about whether, you know, we're able to help our small businesses with some rent relief, for example, um, or even tenants. Um, so here, clearly, the, the problem continues to be dark money in politics. We're going to continue to fight for campaign finance reform and uh, for all sorts of changes to happen in our democratic process. Um, Hopefully uh, the environment will become that much easier now that uh, both houses are enjoying uh, more progressive voices. And we're going to continue to do that hard work. But I think uh, immediately as soon as the session restarts, of course, um, and this is assuming that we don't go back. I'm, I'm one that I'm ready to go back. I'm, I, I'm hoping that we will return uh, in December. Um, we have to do the people's business. We have to get it done. We have to help 
uh, tenants who are on the verge of eviction. We have to help people who haven't received any economic relief. We have to tax billionaires. There's only two entities that have money, the federal government and the billionaires. No one else has money. And if the federal government is not going to send us any money anytime soon, then we have to do the right thing. Look, we know that the federal government eventually, especially once Biden becomes officially president, the federal government will end up sending some aid at some point. I doubt that it will be before the spring. But either way, it's not going to be enough money. And at that point, it will have been a year since the start of the pandemic. We have a lot of work to do. We, so, we see all of the holes in our safety nets exacerbated. We need to take care of our schools. The MTA is in trouble, in more trouble than it already was. Um, yeah, the new, the I wanted to new ask new you about that. that. The MTA is uh, uh, proposing that, uh, that it might cut bus and subway service by 40% due to its budget crisis. Uh, how, how would that affect your constituents? My constituents would be devastated. Look, right now, um, because service at night has been cut off, many of my neighbors who work in the who work in what's left of the hospitality industry, um, what and and uh, you know our health professionals um, and and you know those who work at night um, haven't been able to get around as easily. And I'm I'm just going to say it right here. I've always thought that it's a ploy to just get Uber more business. Um, because what happens when, when you know, you, you can't get to the subway? You end up having to take a cab because you still have to go back home. You still have to get to work. And um, that's a shame. That's a shame that we're, that we're nickel and diming uh, people in this way um, just to help a big uh, global corporation make a bigger profit when what we should be doing is investing in our infrastructure and investing in people instead of uh, insisting on austerity measures that are only digging us deeper in the hole. Right. And and the MTA, you talk about the overnight closures, is uh, estimated to be spending uh, $500 million per year now on overnight cleaning of the subway cars and, and that takes place during the the one to five a.m. closure of the subway system every night, and now more and more scientists are saying this is unnecessary because COVID nineteen is overwhelmingly spread by airborne respiratory particles. Uh, would you like to see this practice ended? Uh, I mean, some critics are calling it hygiene theater. Well, let me say that as as a subway rider. Um, I have been enjoying the fact that the subways are a lot cleaner. I would be lying if I said I didn't. However, uh, we should listen to the science. And if there are places where we can cut back, um, especially in a way that doesn't hurt those MTA workers, of course, uh, then we should do it. Um, I I get that, you know, for optics, it seems like uh, the MTA is being very proactive and keeping, uh, you know, trains clean because, unfortunately, we lost so many TWU members, uh, you know, bus drivers and and, and, and train conductors um, and such. Uh, So I I understand the the level of caution, and I think that that was the right thing to do. But as we learn more and more about the virus and how, uh, you know, how it's transmitted, um, you know, we should adjust accordingly, especially if uh, it amounts to cost-saving measures, um, and, and, and hopefully we can put some money in, in the pockets of New Yorkers. 
Right. And, and when we think about the enormous deficit the MTA is facing and, and other uh, urgent needs that need to be met, uh, I mean, it seems like the amount of taxes that would need to be raised uh, could be substantial. And uh, I, I recently saw that the going back to the Democratic Socialists of Amer- America, you know, of course, we know they won you know, several uh, legislative seats in, in the past year and have a larger contingent going back to Albany in January. And they're now calling for a $50 billion in tax increases on the rich here in New York. Does that sound about right as a, as a number for you? Or would that be, I'll, I'll, I'll a, be a non-starter? I haven't looked at the plan. I don't know what plan they're proposing. I can tell you about the bills that are being proposed now. Um, okay. I mean, it, $50 billion sounds like a great number. I'm not sure how it is that that number was arrived to. Um, but look. I mean, there are all sorts of proposals that my colleagues and I have made. Um, Robert Jackson has a bill to amend uh, the income tax bracket for some millionaires, not billionaires, but millionaires with an M, um, by a few percentage points just to raise enough money to cover foundation aid once and for all um, and Mm. make sure that our schools are fully funded. You can do that one. You can do that one and the PETA tear tax. You can do that, the PETA tear tax, and put a sales tax on yachts and private planes. You can do all of those three things and tax billionaires' unrealized capital gains, which is my bill that would generate $23 billion. You know, there, there are just – there are so many ways, so many loopholes that the rich have taken advantage of so that they can pay – uh, fewer uh, taxes than the rest of us. Um, that that really there's there's a lot of room for creativity here. Um, so I you know everybody always tells me, well, aren't you scared that the rich are going to leave New York? And look, I'm not going to miss them. I don't have dinner with them. I don't socialize with them. But I'll tell you who leaving does make me worried, and that's the middle class. We are seeing, even for years pre-pandemic. People fleeing New York because the cost of living is so high. We all know someone who had to go to New Jersey to buy a house, even Connecticut or Pennsylvania, in order to purchase home, a per- purchase a home and still commute back to New York City. And that shouldn't be. A New Yorker should be able to earn a living wage with just enough to save for a rainy day and towards owning a home someday. That that part of the American dream should still be true in New York. Um, and now that we're going through all of this, I'm, I'm really hoping that we've collectively learned a few lessons. Um, and as we embark on, uh, on a new uh, idea of how the state should run, about uh, how our, inc- our, our taxes should be levied and, um, you know, how we're redesigning uh, all of these systems that have traditionally oppressed so many of us people of color um, that that as we are electing more people of color and we are electing louder voices from working class communities, we're going to be the ones responsible for figuring this out. And we're going to need all, we're going to need your help. We're going to need every anyone who's listening to John's show right now. We're going to need your help. We're going to need you to keep your eyes peeled. You know, be ready to dial those phone numbers, whether it's the governor's office or somewhere else. But the agenda is going to be tight and the agenda is going to be relentless. Um, so it's, All right. it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible time really. Um, and, and I'm very thankful that you've given me this opportunity to let folks know, uh, cause the real work is just beginning. Right, right. Well, uh, state Senator Jessica Ramos, we will 
certainly continue to follow this story in January uh, when you all uh, uh, come back into session and, uh, and and take on these uh, huge challenges. Uh, but for now, thank you for joining us this evening on the Independent News Hour. Yes, thank you for having me. And please, everyone, please continue to wear a mask. Be safe, socially distance, and all that jazz. The virus is real. Let's keep each other safe. Absolutely. And, and uh, you, you have a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving holiday with your family. Thank you, John. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours.